The Angie's List You Know and Trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Be a part of the best pro wrestling podcast today by supporting the Going In Raw Patreon. You can enjoy access to the live taping of the show, exclusive merchandise, and patron-only episodes, and so much more. Support Going In Raw today. Click the link in the description. Hey, Brendo, Steve here. And Lark. Hey, welcome back to Going In Raw. Count out best worst 2017 we're doing a slew of these countouts to close out the year, Larson. Yeah. Uh, showing, uh, telling you guys who had the best matches, best years, worst matches, worst years. Well, most disappointing matches. Et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. We'll, we'll get to that one yeah, later. Yeah, that's next weekend. Yesterday, we did uh, top 10 wrestlers who had the best 2017. So now we have to do the other side of that coin. Yeah. The 10 wrestlers who had the worst 2017. Who did not have a good year? No. 2017 wasn't everybody's cup of tea, Larson. No. Yeah, especially for these 10 wrestlers. We'll get right into it. Number 10. 10. Baron Corbin. So, yeah, if you recall or if you watched, uh, and if not, please do, our uh, 10 wrestlers were the best 2017. You would know that Baron Corbin placed 10 on that list as well. And we specified in that episode, in that entry, that... There were a lot of asterisks, asterisks, next to his accomplishments. Yes, for every up, there was an associated down, essentially. Let me ask you this. If you're a wrestler at his level, upper mid-card guy, heading into 2017, now we're at the end of 2017, is, is, this, is this the year that you're happy with? Is this the year that you look back on and say... Okay, I'm really happy with, with the way this year turned out. If, if you can, if you can, if you can say yes or no to having this year, what do you say? I would, I would like to hope that that Baron would view this year as a net positive. Um, all the downs, he should. Yes, he should. Um, while there was some downs, he uh, had a, a, a couple career setbacks. At the end of it, he came out all right, I and would, none yeah. of the setbacks were so bad that it necessarily. You know, it's, it's, none of the setbacks were on par with uh, Triple H getting punished for the curtain call. Right, yeah, yeah It wasn't yeah. like he had to start all over again. He, It was kind of comparable, oh, but not to that degree. When Roman Reigns was punished and received a United States uh, title push because of it, yeah, I but he lost clean thing. to Finn. So it's not, it's definitely not on that level because they're not looking at Baron Corbett as the next face of the company. No. But with every setback they gave him, it was always kind of with the understanding that, hey, you're still a guy that we've invested a lot of time and money into and we still have a lot of yes. faith in. Yes. And so I think you can look back on 2017 and say, hey, hey, I did good. It was net positive 2017. But let's take a look at the asterisks before, before, before we start with the downs. We should mention that since his debut... Um, he has been one of, if not the most improved wrestlers. Oh yeah, for sure. On the WWE roster, when yeah. he got called up, he was a contender for going into Raw Wrestler of the Year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's mostly because That's we not thought a good thing. No, it's mostly because we he, we thought he was kind of funny. Yeah, exactly. I used to root for him because he was so kind of silly. Yeah, but now he's a legitimate 
contender to not only the U.S. title, but potentially the world title. Oh, sure. So the, the, it's look, things are looking up for Baron Corbin. And the, the money and effort they've put into him, I think, has been worth it. I think yes. it's paid off. Um, so we'll, we'll take a look at each of these sort of accomplishments with the, the, the Black Mirror version of yes. what happened. Yes. So, yes, he did win Money in the Bank 2017, but, but then he uh, lost his cash-in attempt in embarrassing fashion yeah. on the August 15th edition of SmackDown. He came down the ring, I believe, to attack John Cena. Um, he has his briefcase. He leaves the ring. He stops midway up the ramp, and, and it occurs to him, oh, Jinder's down the ring. Hey. He looks at his briefcase, goes back in. He is a, a, about to deliver, I'm sure, an end of days to Jinder Mahal, mm. secure himself a WWE Championship. He is distracted by John Cena getting on the apron, yeah. goes to hit him, and I believe is rolled up by Jinder and loses his uh, cash-in attempt. First guy since Damian Sandow to, to lose, I believe, your, uh, his cash-in attempt. Yes. Wasn't Mr. Kennedy levels of, of humiliating, but, no, it was, but it was pretty close. It was pretty close. Um, here's here's a, a word of advice for the next Money in the Bank winner. Um, if John Cena's in the state, don't try to cash in. No. All right? Do not try to cash in. Because you know who uh, Damian Sandow lost his cash John in. Cena. John Cena. Uh, he did win the United States Championship. Oh, hold on. You skipped over a very important thing. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm on the, I'm on the best. Um, he, uh, so right after that, he got into a feud with John Cena. Yeah. Where both on the microphone and in the ring, he was consistently humiliated yeah. by John Cena. Yeah. John Cena really just laughed him off. Yes. But at the same time, he was in there with John Cena. That's exactly. a high-profile man. Um, and the report started surfacing around all this that uh, Barron was being punished mm-hmm. for... Uh, Kind of his general backstage demeanor. Yeah. As some uh, some reports said something about his uh, Twitter activity. And Might have been reason for punishment, but I think that was generally kind of uh, uh, poo-pooed by Dave Meltzer. There was a, a meeting of some sort that apparently Baron Corbin had been piping up when he shouldn't have been. Oh, about concussions. Yeah, about concussions. There's a lot of potential reasons why... Uh, he might have been punished that popped up in dirt sheets. But it seems like that sort of thing, like his Twitter activity, for example, has taken a 180-degree turn from all that stuff. Yeah. He doesn't really talk crap on Twitter anymore. Yeah. You know, he's sort of, I don't know, he's a bit more of a positive guy on Twitter. Um, so, I mean, I hope that he's taken a lot of these, exp- you know, like anybody. I, li- I hope he takes the experiences he has in his career and he's used them to fuel a positive change. Yeah, and learned from his mistakes. Right. Um, uh, most recently, yeah, he did win the U.S. title from uh, in a match through a match between himself, AJ Styles, Ty Dillinger. Won that title by pinning Ty. Um, the following SmackDown, he pinned AJ Styles clean to retain that title. Um, after that, he got into a program with Sin Cara and lost to Sin Cara like multiple times by count out and DQ. Yeah. Um, and just at Clash of Champions, lost the U.S. title to Dolph Ziggler. Mm-hmm. He ate the pin yeah. after taking a zigzag. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we'll see what 2018 holds for Baron Corbin. I, I, I think that he's going to have a pretty good 2018. I think I predicted that he could win the, the WWE title in 2017. Um, I'm going to make that same prediction for 2018. Whoa, whoa. Hold on to predictions. That's for another episode. Oh, goodness. Okay. Well, there's a preview for you. Number nine. Nine. Shinsuke Nakamura. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say the book has been written on on this guy on main roster. It hasn't. But 2017 was not a good year. No, it for the was King not. of Strong Style. Let's even go back before he debuted on main on the SmackDown after WrestleMania. Um, uh, he kicked off the year losing the NXT title to Bobby Roode at NXT Takeover San Antonio. In a great match. In a great match. Fantastic match. Yeah. Um, lost the rematch at NXT Takeover Orlando. Mm-hmm. Um, another good match. Another fantastic match. 
called up to Maine, interrupting a, 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 a Miz segment that we thought foretold a great first feud. That could have been really good. Um, you have uh, the King of Strong Style against uh, the Miz, who had been accused by Daniel Bryan of being a soft wrestler. Yeah, right. It seemed like the perfect first feud. Right. Itself. Unfortunately, the Superstar Shakeup messed all that up. Miz got sent to Raw. Yeah. And what we got instead was a feud against Dolph Ziggler. Yeah. Um, and uh, based on the timing of pay-per-views, I guess, WWE didn't want Nakamura to wrestle on cable television until he had a pay-per-view match. I, I can't, in one sense, I understand why they're really building up the anticipation, make him feel important. At the same yeah. time, it did nothing to benefit him as in a character. Oh, yeah. a terrible idea. In retrospect, not a great idea. And Dolph was not a good first opponent. No, he was not. In terms of building up the story, especially. Because apparently all their dark matches they were having after SmackDown were pretty good. Yeah. But what we finally saw at Backlash, yeah. when Nakamura finally had his in-ring debut on the main roster, was really lackluster. Yeah, not good. Really disappointing. They had a rematch a week or two later that was decent. Mm-hmm. Um, but overall, the feud with Dolph, lame. Next, feud against Baron Corbin around the time of Money in the Bank. Better, still not great. Yeah. They had one good match, I think. Yeah. And it was on SmackDown, not on the pay-per-view. I think Nakamura's had, what, two good matches on main so far? His match against Cena was really good. Yeah, his match against Cena was And they had a match against Orton that was pretty good. Yeah. Um, his next feud was against Jinder Mahal. Mm-hmm. Um, he won a match against Cena to become number one contender for WWE Championship. Which, like you said, was a, a good really match. good match. Really good yeah. match. And a, and a great moment for him. Yes. It hasn't all been bad. Yeah. Um, and uh, he had two shots at the WWE title against Jinder, lost both of them. Mm-hmm. The match at SummerSlam was r- really underwhelming. Yeah, no. Zero drama. Yeah. The match at Hell in a Cell was slightly better. Yeah. Um, but both times we thought, okay, Nakamura is going to be the man that will end Jinder's uh, uh, championship reign, and it ended up not being the case. Yeah, they just kept on chugging along with Jinder. Mm-hmm. So. Um, I think the next couple months will really, really sort of determine what they're going to do with Nakamura. Um, the Rumble's coming up. We both feel that he's probably a favorite to win that. But he doesn't have any momentum going into it. That's the problem. He doesn't, but that can kickstart it. No, I know. Cause, I mean, right now he's kind of forming a tag team with Randy Orton. They've teamed up multiple times over the yeah. past month or so. And he's a, he's kind of protected, although he took the first pin at Survivor Series. But then at a Clash of Champions, he was kind of written out of the match yeah. early on, so Orton had to take the pin. Um, it takes, dude. It'll take it'll take a Rumble win or just him challenging in New Japan fashion, uh, AJ Styles for the the World Championship. Although I'm not sure really what grounds he'd be doing in that on I know. beyond. I know. Well, on SmackDown, they don't operate by Kurt Angle's you know win loss yeah, record. True. I know exactly uh, criteria. Thank goodness. So it could simply take a challenge. Yeah. So, anyways, it has been uh, it's been shaky for Shinsuke Nakamura because he, he was the hottest thing in NXT. I know. I know. I ne- we've been to a couple of NXT shows, and uh, NXT Brooklyn too. I have never seen mm-hmm. an audience that uh, who was whose who's shirts were what forty percent. Thirty percent Nakamura. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, there was a lot of red Nakamura shirts yeah. that night, and when we were leaving that arena, the entire uh, concourse was singing his theme song. Yeah, man, he was hot stuff. And then he comes to Maine, and they just kind of blow it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, we were sort of seeing the same thing with Bobby Roode right now, where yeah. people are very quickly not caring about him. Although he got some good chance at a Clash of Champions. Yeah, no, he did. He did. I think people really want to get on board. They just need to give him something to do. Exactly. Number eight, eight, Kurt Hawkins. I mean, he hasn't won a match all year. Yeah, as of uh, December 2nd, his losing streak, which has been kind of built into not a story necessarily, but yeah. they're addressing it. 
uh, stands at 140 matches. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, he's kind of a comedy guy at this point. Uh, it's never good to be... I mean, look, I'd rather take having a story than not having a story. Yeah. And they, whenever he comes out, they mention that story. So at any moment, they could run with that in some way. And it only takes one decent outing. I know. One decent thing to, to get hot. I know. So hopefully, it's, that'll be the case with him. It, it, it's, him losing all the time is not really the worst thing. I think it's far worse for him not to be on TV at all. There's, yeah, there's storyline yeah. potential yeah. in his losing streak. Yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. Because yeah. on the occasion that it ends... They could turn that into an interesting story. Big deal, yeah. But I think they've only mentioned it once or twice on TV. Mm-hmm. For a while, there was the Kurt Hawkins uh, Superstar Academy, whatever he yeah, called yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, And then later on, the History Machine. Yeah. Um, and th- he's been on so infrequently that it never made an impact. He could possibly... He's on Raw, right? Yeah. He could possibly benefit from being on SmackDown. Well, that's where he was first. And then oh, remember he made his, okay, his much Ballyhoo debut yeah. pre-show for No Mercy 2016. Yeah, all right. Never mind. He can't do anything. So I mean, you know, who knows? I mean, there's 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 not a lot. There's a bunch of other people I'd rather see than him. Um, but I always like to see guys, you know, sort of come up that you didn't expect to see come up. So hopefully he'll be that guy mm-hmm. for him. Number seven, seven, Ty Dillinger. Um, pretty much the high point of his 2017 occurred at the very beginning of the year when he debuted at the Royal Rumble, number ten spot. Yeah, this and he had a decent showing in the Rumble. Yeah, this has been a situation where. I don't know. I mean, I, we, we've talked endlessly about Ty Dillinger. The bottom line is, you said it with Kurt Hawkins, he's not on TV. Yeah. And I think people really want to root for Ty Dillinger. Yes. But he, he's one of those guys who, I don't know if it's just that his his gimmick was too generic and the 10 count thing, the 10 chant is what was over. As opposed to him truly well, being over. Here's the thing. I think on main roster that was the case, but that was not the case in NXT. No, I, I agree with you completely. But it's not like anybody was really chomping at the bit to see Ty Dillinger on the main roster. You and I both wanted to see him complete his story arc yes, on NXT. and I think if had that happened, then he could have went to the main roster with some serious momentum. Yeah, there was a the potential there, yeah. Yeah. Sure. Um, but instead he got brought up um, to main full-time, the SmackDown after Mania, beat... Kurt Hawkins mm-hmm. in his match there, and since then has been on TV really infrequently. He tagged with Sami Zayn a couple times. He was inserted into the United States yeah, title. Yeah, and, and the crowd was starting moment. to get behind him. There's a couple moments where the crowd was getting the behind pe- him. The people want to get behind they him. They want to like Ty Dillinger. I know, I know. I just I think it's one of those things where I feel like one of those situations where they think, okay, well, we have a role we need to fill. Yeah, we think Ty will fill that role well. And that's it. And that role doesn't really appear on TV very often. No, it's more of a house show type thing. And I think maybe back back when they were a bit looser with, you know, back in the Attitude Era, it was, well, this guy is getting himself over. Or this guy is getting hot. Let's roll with him and see yeah. where we can go. Yeah. A guy like Ty Dillinger these days, might that might have worked for him back then. These days, it's more like, well, you have your role. This is the ceiling we see for you. Yeah, and that's pretty much it. And that's pretty much it. I would love for him. I mean, it's the same thing like with uh, with uh, Damian Sandow. Um, you know, I felt that he was the supreme example of man. Oh, if, just wasted potential. If you if you really this guy, this guy was over. Mm-hmm. The crowd was ready for him, and they just saw a certain role for him, and they didn't want to get out of that box, and that was so frustrating. Yep. With Ty Dillinger, I don't think it's I, I don't think that he has the same ceiling that Damian Sandow did, but he certainly has a higher ceiling than what he's got now, which is yes. not even being on TV. Yes. 
So um, I would love to see more Ty Dillinger. I mean, you can put you can put him in the same level as you can also put like Mike Kanellis here. Yeah. Mike Bennett, a guy who came up and a lot of people thought, oh my God, you know, they signed Mike Bennett and Marie Kanellis. Let's see what they can do because a lot of people really liked his work in TNA, and then they came went bypassed NXT. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure because Maria Canal already yes, had yes. legacy. Um, they came up and they had a, a gimmick that was unique, and there was like you know the loving couple. Yeah, the power of love. The, the power of love, and then they just completely dropped it. I know he went through some um, a rehab stuff. Yeah, and then she got pregnant. Yeah. And uh, now he's doing dark matches. Yeah. You know, kind of in the same level as, yes. as Ty Dillinger. Yeah. So. Totally. Number six. Six. Bailey. Um, uh, the first quarter of the year for Bailey wasn't too bad. Um, she mm-hmm. was the Raw Women's Champion, retained that title at WrestleMania 33. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but after that is when things started going south. Yeah, when they put her up there with Alexa Bliss, and the only thing they can come up with is was like a Mean Girls angle. Yes. Well, then they kind of you know like portrayed Bailey as this kind of it was weird, something like a child. Yeah, like a like a like her growth was stunted yeah. mentally or something. Yeah, yeah, it was weird. So uh, she lost to Alexa Bliss at Payback, which was in San Jose, Bailey's hometown. Yeah. And then after that, there was the uh, Bailey, this is your life segment, Probably which is uh, definitely a contender for worst segment of the year. Worst, worst segment of the year. The crowd was completely bored with it. Alexa Bliss couldn't even get into it. It was excruciatingly long and bad and boring and stupid. Every bad thing, that was that. Then they had her go to Extreme Rules in a kendo on a stick match against Alexa Bliss. And they did this weird no, angle kendo where... kendo stick on a pole match, that's what I should say. Kendo stick on a pole match, thank you. And uh, and they did this weird thing where, oh, Bailey, she was too sheepish to get extreme. She couldn't get extreme. I'm like, wait a second. In NXT, Bailey was an ass kicker. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like they, they nobody, nobody has been written as poorly and as off the mark as Bailey. Yeah, and when they seemed like they were going to finally finish that narrative and have Bailey finally beat Alexa at SummerSlam that year, um they got the wheels in motion. It seemed like it was heading in the right direction. Maybe they mm-hmm. they, they kind of distanced themselves from the Mean Girl thing. Yeah. Um, and uh, Bailey got hurt, hurt her shoulder in the match against Nia Jax on the July 31st edition of Raw. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, she was out of action for a couple months. Missed her, her match at SummerSlam. Yeah. Returned um, for a match at No Mercy. I think it was a four-way match against Bliss. Mm-hmm. Took the pin. Lost. She's been out of the title picture ever since. Yeah. Um, you know, she's just been kind of doing some uh, occasional uh, storyline stuff with Sasha Banks. You know, here's here's one tact you might be able to take with Bailey. For a while there, she's getting booed. Yeah, I know. And she's not really getting booed anymore no. because she hasn't been in anything substantial yeah. enough for people to be revolting against. So maybe this is, and this is, I know I'm reaching here because I don't really think the WWE does this. But maybe this is kind of a reset button for Bailey. Yeah. You know, maybe they're just holding back. They book her strong still, mm-hmm. and they're just keeping her out of any obvious storylines until the button, until it's been completely reset, and then they can do something substantial yeah. with her again. I was actually really looking forward. I was really hoping that they would pull the trigger or have the horsewoman versus horsewoman thing worked. I really like the visuals from the Mae Young Classic, mm-hmm. where three of the four WWE horsewomen were standing tall against the MMA horsewomen. Yeah. I think when you look at them all collectively, it's like, oh, man, they're kind of cool. You know, when, yeah. when you're in, like, a pack like that, yeah, you look yeah. kind of cooler. Yeah, yeah. 
And so I was really hoping they'd do something that sort of brand transcended, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, they didn't because I think Bailey could have had a kind of an interesting role in that. Um, and so, but, you know, the, the, evidently they're not going that route. Doesn't seem like it, no. Yeah. So, um, so, yeah, I don't know. I think I do think that out of a lot of people on this list, I mean, you can say the same thing with Shinsuke. I think things, oh, it's, can, it's, it's, things can be turned around really yeah, quick with Shinsuke. It, it, it would be real easy to write the ship with both Nakamura I, I, I think that's and Bailey. Yeah. yeah, with Bailey, honestly, simpler is better with her. You yeah, know? I agree. It, I think simpler is better, and also just takes one decent storyline, mm-hmm. and she can be a huge money maker. Stay away from the Mean girl stuff. Yeah. Stay away from the stuff that just seems co- so completely off the mark. It's like that's that's just not her who her character is. Like no, and we said this before. It seemed like a lot of NXT call ups. When they get called up, it just feels like creative, or probably Vince has never had never seen what that wrestler does in NXT. Yeah, I mean, in in, in NXT, um, they branded Shinsuke perfectly, mm-hmm. King of Strong Style. Mm-hmm. Um, he didn't talk a lot, but when he did, it meant something. Apart from that, he just beat people up. Yeah, and it exactly. was great. Yeah. He was so charismatic; it didn't matter. Mm-hmm. And then when he got brought up to Maine, they started doing the artist yeah. thing, and. I don't know. There's too many backstage segments with him trying to be, you know, where, the, where the, there was, you know, supposed to be jokey and funny. Yeah. No. Same it, with, it's same with Bailey. Bailey, her character in NXT had had a sense of innocence about her, mm-hmm. but there's nothing childlike about her. My biggest concern right now is Alistair Black going to SmackDown. Mm-hmm. If you plunk Alistair Black on Raw and put him immediately in the scene with Braun Roman. Joe, mm-hmm. you know, maybe Finn. even Finn, perhaps, then I think you'll be totally fine. Yeah. Because you don't see a lot of backstage segments where they're joking. No. When Samoa Joe's backstage, they're all either yelling at Kurt Angle or yelling at each other. And that kind of backstage stuff really works. Mm-hmm. They keep the backstage silliness to guys like Titus Worldwide, you know, and then Dana Brooke, uh, the club, stuff like that. But the guys who are supposed to be serious are serious. They're kept serious. Yes. When you have Shinsuke Nakamura acting like, a, you know, like a fool, basically, or just being jokey, jokey. Man, that stuff does not work. It totally doesn't work. I don't know. I don't know why they think it, it would. Yeah, I don't know either. Number five, five big cast. Yeah, funny. they didn't. Have, I mean, him and Enzo were kind of uh, their popularity. I mean, the merch sales were still really good, mm-hmm. but uh, there was a bit of a backlash happening against Enzo. Yeah, he was starting to get some booze. Um, and so they decided to break up after a really lame storyline about who jumped Enzo, who beat up Enzo, yeah, who really beat up Cass, yeah. involving uh, the big show. Mm-hmm. It was finally revealed on the June 19th episode of Raw that Cass was behind the attacks, and he broke up with Enzo, uh, and it seemed completely and totally premature. They need yeah. to wait at least another year, at least one tag title reign, yeah. before that story really felt like it had enough heft, yeah. heft to mean something. They needed you're, you're exactly right. They needed a tag title reign. They yeah. need they needed a story that came out of yeah. their tag title reign for this to make any semblance of sense. We're supposed to believe that Big Cass and Enzo have been friends for years and years and years, and just now Cass is getting annoyed with Enzo's personality. Mm-hmm. Like that doesn't make any sense. No. You know this should be th- that storyline should have been success and failure based. Yes, you're holding me back, and it really wasn't that. It was. All I hear every day. Well, Cass did mention that he he felt like Enzo was dead weight. That he because that's how their matches have been structured since their NXT days, where Enzo would be in there get beat up. Yeah, but so much of it was personality based. Yeah, it, and and on top of that, you're right. But they should have they should have illustrated that in practice, not just relied on oh this is what's happened in the past. 
So I don't know. I thought it was kind of interesting because Cass was it? Man, was this before? When was he involved in that number one contendership match? That was in 2016. That was in 2016, man. And they, I really wonder what would have happened if they would have continued to build Cass the sort of that way and have Enzo be his manager. I know. And dial back Enzo just a little bit. Like I yeah. feel like there was there was a really great recipe there for Cass to be a great singles wrestler. Mm-hmm. And instead, man, he was getting heat. That they changed his theme song like oh, three awful. times, yeah, and every all time bad. it was bad. And he seemed uncomfortable in the role. Yeah, it was, there were maybe a couple promos that were effective, heel promos that were effective. His uh, his thing when Enzo was injured because of the concussion, and they had Cass go out there and cut some promos. They were very because they were they were face promos. Yeah, they were very charming, not because they were so polished, because they seemed sincere. Mm-hmm. And it was like, oh wow, this guy he actually for as big a monster kind of looking guy he is, he seemed like a dude with a big heart, and that was mm-hmm. kind of Cass's thing always. And it just you know the guy who has the the noisy friend who you always sort of like you know it's like well I tolerate this guy because I know you know he's got my back and we go yeah. back a ways. Yeah. People like Cass. Yeah. People don't want to not like him. Yeah. So. And Hopefully then he, he would come out turn. and drop a, a heel promo. You can literally see the nerves. Yeah, yeah. I know. Oh, it's terrible. I know. Um, but yeah, hopefully when he comes back, they'll they'll adjust course and do something mm-hmm. uh, more befitting of his personality. It would be difficult for me to believe that they would ever they, they would bring him back as a heel. I know. Still. He I does not. And he he's not going to be the guy who can cut a heel promo when he comes back to a face reception and get people hating him again the way they want Yeah, to. I know. Um, so after that, he had a couple of not very good feuds against Enzo and the Big Show kind of happening at the same time. Mm-hmm. There was that shark cage match at SummerSlam, uh, SummerSlam I believe. It was more fun than I thought it was. Yeah, be. it was. Um, but then uh, he ended up tearing his ACL yeah. the day after SummerSlam oh. in a match against Enzo in a street fight. Yeah. Took a nasty spill over the top rope, tore up his knee, um, and has been out of action ever since. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He did, uh, if I recall correctly, buy a house with Carmella, mm-hmm. though, so maybe on the, on the personal level, things are going great for yes. him. But uh, yes. hopefully, I mean, he's a young dude. Hopefully, his career will pick right back yeah, up. Yeah, he should be back early next year. I mean, February hey, or March. When he, you know, he so August 21st, so that was right after SummerSlam. Day Slam. after SummerSlam, yeah. It's been... Uh, it's been a really good time for big men on Raw yes. since then, yes. especially since then. Yes. So hopefully we'll see him back. I mean, maybe him and Braun can have something really nice when he comes back. You yeah. Know? So, I don't know. It'd be fun. Number four. Four. Emma. Jeez, where to begin? Uh, and, uh, well, we have to begin in late 2016, Steve, when they started, when WWE started promoting Emmalina. Oh, this is so bad. Yeah. Um, every week there would be a vignette that aired promoting the transformation of Emma into Emmalina. And that continued it was just a bunch well of like, in 2017. It was just a bunch of like model-esque bikini shots yeah. of Emma with some like jazzy music, I yeah, think. Yeah, with a little bit of a beat to it. Yeah. Um, and at one point, late last year, uh, December 12th, they announced uh, she would debut on Raw, but that never happened. Mm-hmm. Um, early this year, there was word that, uh, I think specifically from the Wrestling Observer himself, Dave oh. Meltzer, that uh, Emmalina's debut or lack thereof, had become a running joke backstage yeah, they in creative. Started, yeah, there was zero plan for it. They just kept on running these vignettes yeah. because it was kind of funny, Yeah, which it never was. And it was yeah, I know it was an absolute waste of time. 17 weeks after the very first Emelina video package aired, she finally debuted February 13th on Raw, <clears throat> only to completely crap on the entire thing, yeah. saying, well, you've seen Emelina, now watch the transformation of Emelina. Into Emma. Yeah, the word backstage was that when they would uh, try to do this in rehearsals, 
either she wasn't giving her all or she just wasn't figuring out what this Emelina thing... Or she might not have been a good fit. And was, wasn't the Emelina thing supposed to be kind of a diva throwback? Yeah, like, like the, the mid-aught? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a or even attitude area type, type thing. thing. Yeah. yeah, which I don't know. I mean, if they had done that in kind of a meta way with sort of, you know, tongue-in-cheek... Because, you know, there wasn't a lot of, like, sort of great wrestling back then, and Emma was a really good wrestler. Yeah, she was a good wrestler. So if they were taking that tack with it, um, I mean, that's one thing. But if she wasn't comfortable with it, then you shouldn't be shoehorning her into that. Exactly. And if it doesn't work, you should just be professional about it and just move on and find something that does work for her. Yes. <coughs> Sorry. Um, so anyway, she came back on the Raw After Mania in her previous gimmick, um, which was... Mean Emma. Mean Emma. Um, she injured her shoulder about a month later, missed about a month of action. She was kind of involved in kind of the periphery of the the Raw Women's title scene for a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. Um, until she won an opportunity to face Asuka at TLC in Asuka's main roster debut. Yeah, she was trying to get over this whole hashtag. They were doing like a social media angle yeah, with yeah, her. Yeah, like, she was saying she started the Women's Revolution. Yeah, Right, exactly. And so I thought that, hey, maybe that might be something that, they can, that they're going to chew on. They're going to give her like a mini push. Mm-hmm. Something like that. Um, she ended up losing to Asuka in her debut main roster. I'm sorry, in Asuka's main roster match. Yeah, yeah. And then the rematch the following night on Raw, I believe. Mm-hmm, yeah. And then the like less than a week later, she was released. Now, there was a rumor that her release was mainly used was like an example to the women's division because of something. And now I forget what it was. Hmm. It wasn't Nia Jax walking out. I thought it was something like people griping about creative, so they, they let go of Emma. I thought I read that rumor somewhere. Yeah. That's that's a bummer. Yeah. If if that is the case. Yeah, if true. That's because she was, very, she was very vocal on Twitter about her lot on Raw. Yeah. And, you know, you never know how much of that is in character, is approved, um, if they're allowed to say stuff like that or not. Yeah. Um, so you just, you know, you never know. So, yeah, anyways, Emma didn't have a great 2017, but hopefully, oh, here we go, what is this? Oh, SI is extra mustard, I think. Um, It said, uh, Emma created just enough enemies on the writing staff, which she exacerbated from the way she voiced her opinion on Twitter. The doors remain open for a return, but from the company is viewed by some as addition by subtraction in the locker room. Okay, so that's what it was. So, yeah, that's that's a bummer. It is. Anyways. Number three. Three. The Revival. They Three actually years. had a very good start to uh, 2017, putting on great matches at both NXT TakeOver San Antonio and NXT TakeOver Orlando. That oh, one of the most creative tag, tag matches. One of the most creative tag great. teams in NXT. Yep. And they were an absolute joy to watch in their matches against Authors of Pain, DIY. Yep. Just an absolute joy to watch. They debuted on the Raw after Mania. They defeated the New Day, so that's a huge rub right there. Oh, um, sorry. I, they didn't have a match at TakeOver San Antonio. My bad. It was Orlando. Oh, okay. Well, in any event, they had a lot of cool TakeOver matches they and did. a lot of cool tag team matches. Um, Dash Wilder broke his jaw at an NXT live event on uh, April 14th. So, like, two weeks after they made their main roster debut. That, I'm that, still in NXT. Well, they're kind of doing their farewell, farewell yeah, tour. Um, their main roster debut was great. They debuted against the New Day and beat them. I already mentioned that while Sorry. you were doing that. Sorry, that okay. was great. Yeah, that was great. Um, but yeah, then about two weeks later, Wilder busted his jaw, and they were at, and he was out of action oh, for three what? months. Three months. 
Man. And they were part of the the cast Enzo storyline who attacked Enzo. They were kind of lurking around backstage at various yeah. points throughout there that. Was a red herring, is that right? Yeah, I think yeah. so. Um, and they returned to the ring July 10th, um, involved in the storyline with the Hardys and the club and Sheamus and Cesaro, I believe. Mm-hmm. And then shortly after that, Scott Dawson tore his bicep. Yeah. So it seems like it's just, since they got brought to the main roster, it's just false start. False yeah, start, man. false start. It's been an absolute bummer. They just returned this past episode of Raw um, and defeated uh, Slater and Rhino. Mm-hmm. So here's hoping they can stay healthy because just, yeah. when healthy, they are one of the best tag teams Absolutely. on the planet. They just, I, I man, because I, I just <laughs> feel like one more injury and they're gonna be on main event all the time. I think, yeah, man. I, I just, know they need to stay healthy, and yep. I know it's wrestling is really hard on the body, and yeah. it's not easy. It takes one wrong move, one yeah. wrong step. So much goes outside of your hands. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Ugh, goodness gracious. Number two, two, Alberto El Patron, aka Alberto Del Rio. Yeah, you're the uh, impact. Uh, uh, yes, expert between the two of us. So you'll probably know, know more about uh, his tenure there than I do. Um, but he debuted on the March 2nd episode of Impact. Yeah. And when they taped it initially, they uh, got his name wrong on his video package. Yeah, so he actually, uh, when he debuted, um, he actually had a pretty welcome response from the crowd. Unfortunately, whoever put together his video packaging, which is just the, his name, yeah, um, they got his name wrong. I believe they it was, Del, it was Alberto Del Patron, not Alberto El Patron. Yeah. So it was instead of Alberto the Boss, it was Alberto of the Boss. Not good. Not right. Um, no, not correct at all. Um, but anyways, they but didn't did, they have to reshoot his debut and the crowd didn't react the same? Right. Yeah. That's Black exactly Lester. what happened. That's yeah. exactly what happened. Yeah. Um, so, anyways, he had a initial successful run in Impact Wrestling to kick things off. Um, he beat the he beat Lashley for the title uh, the night of his debut. Yeah, the night of his debut, but then vacated it because it was, he won in controversial fashion. Yeah, they were doing the thing. You know, it's funny. Like, no matter who's in charge of Impact, they always do traditional weird wonky TNA finishes and reversals. They're just stuck in the. I guess, I don't know if you want to call it Vince Russo, Dixie Carter way of, of doing things. Um, because even to this day, with like a brand new creative structure, they still do. Like if you look at, a, what was it, the last one, Bound for Glory, you know, Alberto El Patron came in in the main event, the main event for your biggest title, your world title, and we had a, a wonky finish. And it's like, no, man, you got to give us some clean finish. Yeah, especially on, the, on one of your major shows. On, yeah. your, on your WrestleMania, basically. Yeah, I know. Um, so, anyways, that led to him facing off against Lashley at SummerSlam. At, I'm sorry, at Slammiversary, to unify the Global Force Wrestling and Impact titles, but was stripped of the title due to an airport incident with Paige and suspended indefinitely. I mean, you know, if it, if it wasn't that, there was his activity on Periscope, which is like a weird platform to be, you know, giving these uh, inebriated rants against Triple H and WWE. Um, you know, there's all this sort of, I mean, there's nothing, I don't think, substantial about the allegations that have been levied towards him, so I'm not going to speak on that beyond, like, the tapes that we heard from the airport incident. Obviously, he had some sort of tumultuous relationship with Paige. Mm -hmm. Other people have said it's been worse than that, including her own family. Who knows what the truth is? 
Um, but it's just been one incident seemingly after another. It's bizarre to me that... Yeah, it seems for like the last year and a half it's been... Right, exactly, case. exactly, yeah. Getting in fights, having altercations outside of his restaurant. Right, yeah, yeah, back yeah. back to last year. Yeah, that's right. There's all sorts of weird stuff happening. And, uh, and he seemed to be dragging Paige kind of down with him. Um, Paige is doing really great work in the WWE mm-hmm. right now upon mm-hmm. her return. And, uh, you know, I'm not sure it's coincidental that they've broken up Prior to, just prior to her coming back. Yeah. And it seems to be on amicable terms. Yeah. I mean, you know, he's got his family, and she's going to be traveling a lot, and, mm-hmm. you know, that that's how that is. But, uh, I mean, you know, he's back kind of towards the main event-ish scene on Impact, but he's not he's not moving ratings. It's still, I mean, it's still... We, we've had this debate on, you know, various episodes of, of Going In Raw where we talk about is Impact able to be saved? Can they ever turn around? Yeah, I know. Um, and I think that there are possibilities that aren't outside of the realm of reality where they could. The odds are probably stacked against them, but I can tell you that having Alberto El Patron in your main event scene isn't one of them. Yeah. I just don't think that he moves ratings at No, all. he doesn't. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Uh he came back at uh, Bound for Glory. He gave this really long rambling promo about that was kind of heelish, but it was more heelish towards the front office of of Impact Wrestling. But mm-hmm. that even that had changed in his absence. Yeah, because Jeff Jarrett, who could have been on this list if he was actually like really yeah. wrestling, yeah, um, was you know the lead creative when he was there, and then he was gone by the time he came back. So I'm yeah. not sure who he's railing against. Um. So, yeah, I don't know. It wouldn't surprise me if 2018 he picked up the Impact World title again. Wouldn't surprise me if he didn't, if he was gone from the company. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. But it wasn't a great year for Alberto El Patron in 2017. Tell you that much. No. Number one. Number one. Bray Wyatt. For all the bad years that everybody's had, Bray Wyatt was literally WWE champion during 2017, and he still had the worst 2017. Yeah, he did. Um, uh, he did win the WWE title at Elimination Chamber. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was a transitional champion. The point of it was to put the belt eventually on Randy Orton. Which is still complete. I have no idea. Especially considering what happened afterwards. I know. Because Orton does end up being transitional champion for Jinder Mahal. I know. Why didn't they just go straight from Bray? Like, I don't know. I I do not know what the point of putting the belt on Randy Orton was. Well, I I imagine the... It's 2017! I imagine the initial plan was to put the belt on Orton and have him have a longer reign, and they decided to go with gender, and that probably interrupted whatever plans they might have with Randy Orton. That makes even less sense, though. I mean, no, I know. what you're saying makes sense in terms of what we know about the WWE, but even Randy Orton has admitted that he is bored being a babyface. Yeah. Then what is this? Yeah. I mean, they had... Look, I was, I was a fan of the House of Horrors match, but the match at WrestleMania was awful. Awful. It was bad. It It was was awful. I still say, hey, you know what I still say? That the projection on the mat was better than a straight-up match. No, I agree, but the the projections on the mat mat really didn't amount to anything. Oh, it was terrible. If that was the starting point for other stuff, I know, I know. But just because you project, like, a bunch of flies or whatever it was on the mat doesn't mean anything. When there is a... I think our point with putting him at number one is... This year was a culmination of all the wasted potential of Bray Wyatt. When it's it's so much worse to have something so special and and see it get so misused consistently. as opposed consistently as opposed to a guy like Ty Dillinger who just isn't on TV. 
a guy like Kurt Hawkins who has a massive losing streak. Bray Wyatt, they had, if you if you want to say, they had the whole world in their hands with Bray Wyatt, and they elected to take the, the, the what they think is the safe route with boring babyface Randy Orton and had him burn down Bray Wyatt's house, had him sully, you know, Sister Abigail, her remains apparently, and then Bray Wyatt has the powers of Satan, and what does he do with the powers of Satan? He projects some worms on the mat at WrestleMania, and then Randy Orton goes over anyways. Yeah. I don't get that at all. I don't get what the point of that was, and... It bums me out because now you look at Bray Wyatt and he's in something that could potentially be a lot of fun with Matt Hardy. And Bray Wyatt looks checked out. Yeah, for the most part. At this point, he looks totally checked out. He lost the Wyatt family, which I don't get it, man. The Wyatt family, there was so much money in that. I know. At every point, it seems like when they have a, a, a choice to make whether to build up Bray Wyatt into a massive star or keep him in his role, they always elect to keep him in his role. I know. Even him winning the title was just... It was to facilitate another Randy Orton push. People marked out so. Remember when when Bray walked up when Triple H yeah. got the title and he, he touched like, it. Yeah, and he touched and it. And they people marked, marked out massively out. for it. Right, and then when they were starting, they started to uh, to book the sister Abigail super strong and it like beat Cena, and then he ended up winning the title. People marked out big time for that, and then they did nothing. They did the Randy Orton thing, and there was some stuff that could have been really really yep. cool. And then once again, the story of Bray Wyatt is they drop the ball because they cannot stand changing the status quo when it comes to Bray Wyatt. They cannot stand taking a leap, taking a creative jump. They just have that same role where he comes out with the microphone or he's in the bowels of the arena. Yeah. And he says a bunch of gibberish and it doesn't, nobody cares. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's imagine, imagine, imagine the feud with Orton if, if Orton's acts burning down the compound, uh, were as I interpreted them to be a heel move. Yeah, it was it was a double turn. Orton turns heel um, in an effort to take over the Wyatt family for himself, mm-hmm. and Bray has a face turn. Mm-hmm. Imagine if that dynamic alone had changed. Yeah, at least then if Orton wins, it's not boring face Orton. I know, and then it gives something for Bray to work with mm-hmm. afterwards. He really has to evaluate. Yeah, who and what he is. Yeah, but instead, after the House of Horrors. Uh, why it gets shipped to Raw and the Superstar Shake-Up and it seemed like what they were having on SmackDown was fan fiction. Yeah, I know. They don't address it at all. No. And then he's in a couple of, of, of half-baked feuds with like Rollins, I think, and, and maybe... Valor, they did the weird... And they were going to do the Sister Abigail thing and that looks hokey as yeah. crap. Yeah. yeah. No, I don't know. I, I, I agree, man. Like, if, if, Orton, if they had done something... Look, they were already going down the supernatural route with the whole Randy Orton, Bray Wyatt thing. They had Randy Orton do some eye beams or some crap like that. There was yeah. some teleportation. I, I think he teleported once. Yeah. If they had Randy Orton strip Bray Wyatt of his powers and, like you said, did a double turn thing, man, they could have built something really, really I interesting know. there. And I know. Seen Bray Wyatt get back to get. They, it's funny. Like I'm, I'm totally okay with using Randy Orton, putting the title on Randy Orton for a purpose, but there was zero purpose to it. They didn't do anything interesting with it, and even Randy Orton didn't seem interested in it. Yeah, it's like I I actually really enjoy Randy Orton's work when he's invested in yeah, something. Yeah, when he's motivated, he can be pretty good. And for a spell, it seemed like he was invested in the Bray Wyatt. Thing. Oh yeah, and they did that really weak turn when he turned on Bray and you know went face or whatever, and he, he burned, burned down the house, house down. Yeah, 
it was so weak, and there was zero motivation there. It was like, oh, I beat you from the inside. I'm like, that was lame. Well, it was rushed. Yeah, it was so rushed. It was like they took out half the they second took act. Out like, yeah, exactly. They took out like three weeks of storytelling there and yeah. rushed right to the end. And then to, to depict what Orton did as a face move still boggles my mind. It's still weird. Burning down a person's house is never like a face thing. It shouldn't be. shouldn't be. Unless you're Stone Cold Steve Austin and the house is Brian Pilgrim. <laughs> Anyways. So, yeah, there you go. Bray Wyatt had the worst 2017. Um, so, yeah, let us know what you guys think about wrestlers who had bad years. Yes. And uh, here's a toast to wrestlers. All these guys, hopefully they'll have a better 2018. My jar is empty. Till next time, talk to you guys later. Bye. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Your words? Less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.